0: So when the political left in America is upset, it's perfectly okay for them to take to the streets and riot and break things because they're not getting what they want. This is beautiful. Have you heard any complaints, any concern whatsoever about the violence that is taking place from left-wing pro-abortion nutjobs? No, we haven't heard a word about it. This is sanctioned because the mainstream media agree with all these people. How about during Black Lives Matter and ever since? I mean, they were trying to undo our way of life. They were breaking things, burning cities, burning police stations to the ground. And this was somehow righteous. Yes, it was. In the mainstream media, they explained it away. They were spin doctors and they remain spin doctors for the political left.
1: I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is mostly a protest. Uh, it uh, It is not, generally speaking, unruly.
0: Is that not amazing? Really, this, I know it's a couple of years old now, but this is iconic. This says so much. This is what they do. Explain away, spin for the political left because they agree with them. That chaos was, what did they say? Mostly not unruly. Yet, a couple of clowns walking around the Capitol, this was the existential threat to American democracy. It is completely and utterly unfair. It is wrong. And it's happening all over again. Yes, the political left, they are upset. So they are breaking the law. What you're about to see is law breaking. Uh, It looks like a protest, but this kind of protest is against the law. Outside of Chief Justice John Roberts' home, Justice Kavanaugh's home. How would you feel if you lived in this neighborhood, by the way? And what they are doing is actually against the law. I'll show you the law in a moment, but first look at what Justice Kavanaugh has to go through. Go back.
1: We will not go back. We will not go back. We will not go back. We, bodies. we go. Our bodies.
0: So it's very similar to what they were doing at Robert's house, a big mob in front. Now, granted, it's not violent. And you know what? In America, I do believe you're allowed to turn out and say what you want in the streets of America. Uh, but technically, what they're doing is against the law. I'd like to show you the law. Pickets uh, or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, a residence occupied by the judge, juror, witness, or court officer, shall be in fine or prison not more than one year or both. Now, obviously... This is not being enforced. And you know what? In a way, I'm okay with that. You don't, you know, sometimes you there's prosecutorial discretion. But I'm not okay with this and the entire book being thrown at anybody who even looked at the Capitol on January 6th. You know, again, protesters on the left are essentially allowed to do whatever they want, even when it doesn't serve their interests. Like this past weekend, when they try to... And successfully interrupted church across the country.
2: Women can't be free. Abortion uh-huh. on demand. man! Abortion. 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 Respect, us. You want respect Respect us. You want respect us. Respect us. Yeah. Yes, respect we want Respect too. We Respect I
0: Really, try to imagine if these guys were wearing red MAGA hats and were from our side politically and were trying to disrupt uh, the peaceful assemblies, activities of liberals. There would be outrage. There would be they'd be talking. They'd be throwing people in jail. They really, really would. You remember what they did to folks who turned out at the school board meetings who got a little hot under the collar They called the FBI. The FBI was thinking about treating these people like terrorists. This stuff really happened. By the way, I want to be clear. As you heard a moment ago, I do think it's okay to shoot your mouth off in public, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. But look at what happened in New York City. You're not allowed to go into a church and disrupt it. Um, I love firefighters. I love emergency workers, cops. They're all great. Some of them said, you're not coming into this church. Okay, you're gonna see a protest, then you're gonna see guys at the front of the church who are not letting people in. They say some things that aren't necessarily politically correct. Maybe they're a little bit wrong, but I give them a lot of latitude. Take a look.
2: Not the church, not the state. The people must decide their I'm the people. I'm the people. You are the U.S. I am the people. The people have decided, the court has decided. You lose. And we choice. You have no choice. Not your body. I your choice. Your body is mine. You have to
1: debate me choice. Okay,
0: so uh, some of the things he said I think are totally fine. I am the people, uh, the people have decided you lose. This is all fine. He's just a guy. He's not the president, he's not a senator, he's just volunteering to keep these people out of the church. You have no choice, uh, your body is mine. I mean, look, it doesn't matter. It's a free country. And I think what he's getting at is the baby, well, we wanna protect that life, okay? You don't get to choose to take out a baby, to put an end to a baby. That's what he's talking about. And I think it's reasonable. What do they wanna do though? They wanna fire this guy, this total civilian, this, this stranger, this, this guy they want to fire him, right? Let's fire the guy. Hey, FDNY, these guys, do they belong to you? And of course, our liberal woke mayor in the city, they totally flip out looking for this guy. Ready? The comments made do not represent the views of the FDNY. Excuse me for a moment. What are the views of the FDNY? The views of the FDNY should be anti-fire, right? Right. Be opposed to fires everywhere, but not take positions on hot-button social issues. But members are allowed to do that on their own time. Next, of course, we've got to make a federal case out of this, don't we? Ooh, the individual in the video is not a member of the FTNY. Really? So then why this? Next up, we have the matter is under investigation. Well, doesn't that drop the matter, right? If he's not, it's... um. It's kind of ridiculous to put ordinary people through this. You're allowed to say things in America. And one of the rabble-rousers on the left, clamoring for this guy's termination, stranger, never met him, he can say whatever he wants is, Amy Siskind, have you ever heard of her? She has a BA in economics from Cornell, MBA from NYU, worked on Wall Street for 20 years, and is said to have made millions of dollars, okay? Now she's a lefty, She's into all these woke causes, free country. Good for her. She's a millionaire, by the way. And she puts this out there to the white men who wanted to get involved in this conversation. As a white man, it's time for you to listen and amplify women. Nothing more. She's talking to some guy who was who speaks like this. This is an uneducated position to have. Nobody thinks, like, this is crazy stuff, but this is the woke left. Here's something else. This is the woke left. They want to defend abortion in New York City and beyond, but take a look at these statistics. I found these shocking. I had them checked. I had them double-checked. In a four-year period, terminated pregnancies of black mothers in New York City, 136,000. But look at this. That number supersedes the number of births from black mothers, four years. What the hell is going on? I don't know, but I do know that the woke left and their fierceness on this issue is misplaced and misfocused.
3: Woman, what she can do and cannot do with her own body. The very lives and the health and the safety of women and girls are at risk if they do. This is setting women back in so many different ways, with so many different consequences. It's about whether women in America have a right to make these decisions. It's about keeping people in their place, and that means keeping women and girls in their place. That's what this is really about.
4: You know this isn't about caring for women and girls, it's about
3: controlling them. This is going to fall on the most vulnerable women in our country. This gonna fall on poor women, it's gonna fall on women of color, it's gonna fall on young girls.
0: What country are they talking about? This is America. They should be, probably all of them. They love talking about women and girls. You know where women and girls are really in jeopardy right now? Tonight, Afghanistan. Horrible things are happening in Afghanistan that we help create. Take a look.
5: In Afghanistan, in another sign of a return to hardline policies, the Taliban have ordered women to cover their faces when in public and have said that those not following the direction will be punished.
0: Yeah, burkas. It is the law the Taliban has ordered that any woman going out in public will have to wear a burqa. This new rule is one of the most severe restrictions on women since the Taliban regained control last August. The decree also says women should only leave their homes when necessary. If they are caught breaking any of the rules in public, their
4: male guardians or relatives can be taken to court and face up to three days of jail time.
0: Where's Mika Brzezinski on this? and Kirsten Gillibrand, and all those other hysterical people talking about women and girls and my body controlling. Where are they? This is happening. You know why they're not talking about it? You know why? It really is incredibly simple and cynical, because talking about it highlights the failures of their Democrat president, Joe Biden, who was as wrong on this as wrong could be, and he created the vacuum for the Taliban to step in.
2: The likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Our leaders did that in Vietnam when I got here as a young man. I will not do it in Afghanistan.
0: And he was wrong as wrong could be. He really was. And then what did he have to say for himself when everything went to pot?
2: But you don't think this could have been handled, this actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look, but the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened.
0: He just said, and for months he was saying, that there would be no chaos like getting out of Vietnam, right? Right? You heard Lying, lost, and pathetic, and also uncaring. Doesn't even have that empathy he told us about, right? Remember when they came home and looking at his watch? Could not be bothered. We got some trouble on our hands, folks. We got some big trouble. I'm optimistic in the long run, though. Stay with us, Mark Esper. Who's Mark Esper? (laughs) This guy. For about a year, he was Donald Trump's secretary of defense, and he tried to trip him up every step of the way, and we got him on tape saying it. Be right
1: back.
5: Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view? And it's actually funny. You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to Newsmaxtv.comslash podcasts for other platforms.
2: Something's
0: coming here and all all, I, all can I can say. say- is, is that, that the fake, fake news, news just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, it do, do they? they? they and more proof. How can the, how can anyone say that what you're about to see is good and righteous and beautiful? The night before, this is during the Black Lives Matter riots. Uh, this is the scene outside of St. John's Church in Washington, D.C., right? This was awful, awful stuff. But this somehow was good, social, racial justice. And this, this was bad. This was horrible. The president of the United States standing in front of a church with the Bible in a peaceful scene is bad. Again, what's good? The rioting, the fires, all that stuff, the violence, the chaos. But a president in front of a church with the book of God is evil. And it really is. I'm not making. Do you remember their reaction to this?
3: It looked like he was using the church as a step and repeat, like he was on a red carpet and holding the Mm -hmm. Bible like he was holding a designer purse. The
5: president of the United States looking like a wannabe dictator uh, so he could walk over to to a church and
4: pretend to be concerned about the church.
1: They see a president adrift. A president striding across Lafayette Park, Lafayette Square uh, to have this photo opportunity holding a Bible in the air.
5: Donald Trump started a riot in the president's park in Lafayette Park so he could have a photo op and awkwardly, weirdly, bizarrely hold a Bible like nobody has ever held a Bible before.
0: Getting those people out of there, that wasn't a photo op. That was necessary. I guess they want riots to rage, to not be quelled? And I'm sorry, that is the book of God. He's in front of a church and he's holding it. Why are they so horrified by that? But it wasn't only the media. It was members of Donald Trump's own team who at least say they're horrified. Like this guy, Mark Esper. I know he's hard to place because he was not good as Secretary of Defense, and he was only there for a little while, but he's trying to sell a book. He already got his advance, and he's getting the, the full Washington, D.C. swamp treatment. It starts with an appearance last night on 60 Minutes.
3: A West Point graduate and paratrooper, Esper spent 10 years as a by-the-book Army officer. And when he left active duty, He moved through the revolving doors of think tank jobs, Capitol Hill and Pentagon staff positions and defense lobbying.
0: Wow. Okay, Think tank, Capitol Hill, lobbyists, staff positions, swamp, swamp guy. The very definition of swamp. All of the right. All of the all of the box checked more.
3: Tension would grow, as he told us when we met him at his alma mater,
4: West Point. Because it's important to our country, it's important to the republic, the American people, that they understand what was going on in this very consequential period. The last year of the Trump administration, and to tell the story about things we prevented, really bad things, dangerous things, that could have taken the country in a, in a dark direction. The Dangerous things that Trump wanted to
0: do, that's what he's saying. We'll get to those in a moment. But I don't like that he's doing this at West Point. That's a federal facility. A federal facility is helping them sell a book. Donald Trump was good to West Point, but they've turned on him. Oh, yes, they have. The Biden administration, the entire federal government, they're doing everything they can to stop Trump, including facilitating this ugly book by one of their own. Shame on West Point. It's a great institution. I love it. They shouldn't
4: touch Esper with a 10-foot pole. Next. You have folks in the White House are proposing to take military action against Venezuela uh, to, to, to strike Iran. At one point, somebody proposed we blockade Cuba. These ideas would happen, uh, it seemed, every every few weeks, something like this would come up. And we'd have to swat them down. Swat them down, swat them down.
0: Military action against Iran has happened before, and it may have to happen again, especially with the nuclear agreement that is not in place. That's okay. Elected leaders are allowed to think these things, but swamp bureaucrats like this guy, they think they're in charge. Really is amazing. He's confessing, a swamp member confessing. We're in charge, not the elected leaders.
3: Mark Esper and chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, ran the army for over a year before finding themselves in charge at the Pentagon. In order to deal with what he calls some of the crazy ideas coming from the White House, Esper and Milley came up with a system.
4: I come up with this idea, actually, Mark Milley and I discuss it, what we call the four no's, the four things we had to prevent from happening between then and the election. And one was No strategic retreats, no unnecessary wars, no politicization of the military, and no misuse of the military. And so as we went through the next five to six months, that became the metric by which we would measure things. It would be
0: incredibly hard, and it's amazing that Donald Trump succeeded as he did with people like this around, following their own agenda. Now, unnecessary wars— Donald Trump, our elected leader, or this guy who you'd never heard of. You know, Iraq, in my opinion, was an unnecessary war. Would he have stood up and said, we can't allow this unnecessary war to happen? I don't think so. I think it was his distaste for President Trump that led him to be so, so much of an obstacle. There's more.
3: Esper says to fact check his book, he sent all or parts of his manuscript to more than two dozen current and former four star officers, senior civilians from the Pentagon and cabinet members.
0: So he's not the only one who wrote this book. Did you hear that? Senior defense officials, generals, cabinet members. This is a swamp hit job. The entire swamp colluding, coming together with, by the way, allegations that if you read them closely, if you really listen, they're not that much. I mean, they rattle this guy's cage, but I think he's a little um,
4: easily excited somehow. The president is ranting at, at the room. Uh, he's using a lot of, you, you know, uh, foul language. You know, you, you, you all are effing losers, right? And then he says it to the vice president, Mike Pence. He, he's using the same language and he's looking at Pence.
3: He called Mike Pence an effing loser? he
4: He didn't call him directly, but he was looking at him when he was saying it. And it really caught my attention. Okay, he says he was in the army and he's
0: frazzled when he hears the F word. I spent nine years in the Marine Corps. I live in New York. It's a word that, unfortunately, you hear a lot. Quite frankly, we've heard Trump use some words in rallies. And this guy is so troubled by it. Oh, my goodness gracious. He's just too precious to be the secretary of
4: defense. You know what I mean? The president greets us and I say, uh, where are we going? And he, he just ignores it and starts walking out the door and crossing uh, across the, the lawn, heading out the gate. And as we round that corner, the press is all over and uh, all over the place, filming, uh, taking pictures. And it, it just dawned on me at that point in time that we've been duped.
3: Duped
4: how? Uh, this, is a, this is now a political stunt, right? And, and we, we, I, allowed myself to be put in that position. And it only gets worse, right? How does it get worse? Well, we end up in Lafayette Park, uh, up near the church. And that's where the president steps out of the crowd, if you will, goes up, picks up the Bible, and holds it up for everybody to see. And uh, I eventually get directed to come up and join him. Um, and uh, I made that mistake to, to kind of be there in the first place and to join him.
0: Wow, so um, now look, if you're watching this at home, if you're watching it on 60 Minutes, you're like, what's the problem? You're the defense secretary, you're with the president, there was a riot the night before, it was appropriately cleared out, you're apologizing, you're explaining this, who is he actually explaining it to? Not the American people, not potential book readers actually, It's to the defense firms, it's to the think tanks, it's to Capitol Hill, it's to the lobbyists, it's to the swamp where he must live and breathe. That's where his survival is, right? That's where his life is, his livelihood, finally.
3: Esper says he sent out a message to employees of the Department of Defense reminding them they must remain apolitical and protect freedom of speech. Then he decided that wasn't enough.
4: The Republic felt wobbly, and that's what prompted me to decide to, to go before the podium at the Pentagon on June 3rd and say what I said. The option to use active duty forces in a law enforcement role should only be used as a matter of last resort and only in the most urgent and dire of situations. We are not in one of those situations now. I do not support invoking the Insurrection
3: Act. Right after that, Esper was summoned to the White House. He says he was sure Donald Trump would fire him. Why did you think he would fire you?
4: Because I publicly rebuked him. Yeah, publicly rebuked him.
0: Mutinous, absolutely mutinous in the swampiest way. Oh, yeah. All the regulations, all the now think about it. The Insurrection Act, I think that might have been kind of useful in 2020. Take a look. Let's compare, right? BLM. The intensity of BLM. They were trying to destroy the country. Media were trying to say it was all beautiful. Let's take a look at that police station one more time. Burned to the ground in Minneapolis. This was beautiful. No Insurrection Act. No Insurrection Act. But this was an insurrection. This is the insurrection, right? It's totally backwards. It's totally crazy. You know it. I know it. Trump knows it. But I got a message for Donald Trump you got to do better picking these guys next time. And I think there's going to be a next time. You can't rely on rhinos for advice. You can't. And you should probably start interviewing people now. You know, last time he ran, he didn't want to jinx it. He didn't want to get ahead of himself. And I respect that. But now is the time. He's probably going to win. I think he's going to win. Start talking to the people you want in your cabinet now. All right. I want to say this about an old friend, Mayor Ed Koch. He was the mayor of this city from 1978 to 1990. I got to know him in the mid-80s, and I knew him all the way up to the time he died. He was a great guy. What a character.
2: How am I doing? Yeah, i do well. <laughs> <laughs> man.
5: How am I doing? fine. Thank you. How am I doing?
0: <laughs> and he was an effective mayor, uh, three terms. So, Look, Ed Koch was, uh, well, a bachelor. He never married. And some people assumed uh, certain things about, you know, was he this? Was he that? Whatever. It was his business. He said he was heterosexual, and we left it at that. The New York Times over the weekend, in my opinion, shockingly and wildly and appropriately outed him as a gay person. The secrets Ed Koch carried on and on it went about something he wanted to be kept private. Let's put it up there. Uh, I don't think this is right. It was an aching admission shared with only a few. He strained to conceal an essential fact of his biography, Mr. Koch was gay. Front page of the New York Times, by the way. Front page of his beloved New York Times. For the gay friends in whom Mr. Koch confided, some had nudged Mr. Koch for years to come out, suggesting he might be happier for it, that the city might be better for it. Their failure disheartens them to this day. They try to spin it. They try to justify this gossip piece. It was just gossip. Anyway, it was his business, and he preferred it remain private. He has family. He has relatives alive. And by the way, I, I did know him, and I did like him. And um, he, he actually had a great big steak dinner for all the doctors who helped save his life. He had a coronary situation some time ago. And about a year or so went by. They said no steak for a year and a half. And when he could finally have steak, he invited all the doctors and uh, me and a couple of others to uh, Peter Luger's, one of the great steakhouses in all of New York. Anyway, Ed Koch, I'm sorry that happened to you. He was a great mayor. Let's take a look at him one more time. Um, And uh, anyway, there'll never be another one like him. We'll be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. Hey, that's Boris Johnson a few weeks ago in Ukraine with President Zelensky. The world has been going to Ukraine to uh, show their support. Let's see. Here are the leaders of Poland, Romania, and Slovakia meeting with uh, Zelensky. He is the man right now. Hey, Even Justin Trudeau um, went to Ukraine. I believe he was there today. Where's Joe? He's not going. He sent his wife, which is pretty weird.
3: This war has to stop, and this war has been brutal. And that the people of the United States stand with the people of Ukraine.
0: Now, why couldn't Joe meet with the president? Why is Jill meeting with the first lady in some remote corner of the country? Uh, we all know the answer. Joe on the world stage. I mean, something like this could happen. It happened 10 days ago. It could happen again.
2: I'm also sending to Congress a comprehensive package of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their Take their their ill begotten gains. (laughs) We're going to accommodate them. (laughs) We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy and the guys who are the kleptocracies. (laughs) But these are bad guys.
0: Yeah, you can't have that happening uh, in front of Zelensky. I mean, we want to inspire confidence, and this wouldn't do that. So I guess it makes sense that Jill made the trip. All right, moving on. You heard about the guy in Michigan a few weeks ago who was shot and killed by a police officer. But all the fake news, they left out the key facts that the guy tried to steal the man's taser, the officer's taser, made a reach for the officer's gun, and all kinds of other things. They played it just, well, the way they play these things. Calls for justice after videos show a white police officer killing a black man in Michigan.
4: Newly released video shows a white police officer shooting and killing an unarmed black
5: man. The killing of the unarmed black motorist by a white police officer. 26-year-old Patrick Leoya, a black man who was shot in the head by a white police officer.
3: A 26-year-old black man shot and killed last week by a white police officer.
0: Patrick Leoya, a black man who was shot in the head by a white police officer.
3: Leoya, a black man was shot shot. shot in the head by a white police
0: officer. You get it, right? The narrative. They love this narrative and they want to keep it going. It almost seems like they want riots, the way they portray this stuff and the way they hype it aggressively, prematurely. Well, here's an interesting fact that emerged weeks later, getting absolutely no attention. But Mr. Uh, Leoya here. Well, an autopsy revealed that he had 0.029 blood, uh, alcohol blood level three times over the legal limit for driving. And I believe this was uh, he was stopped in the morning. It does make a little bit of sense when you watch it this time.
1: Hey, stay in the car. Stay in the car. Stay in the car. Get in the car. Dude, I'm stopping you.
0: He did everything wrong, everything, and the guy did seem a little bit out of it, and he made some horrible decisions. Uh, He wouldn't cooperate with the police officer. The police officer tried to turn him around. He ran, and I did all those things we talked about, tried to steal the stun gun, and he was shot in the head, but he was drunk. I think that's very relevant, but you're not going to hear all that much about it. No. All right. Stay with us. Dr. Oz will be here in just a moment. And also some of the folks who were guarding churches over the weekend trying to keep the crazy protesters out. We'll be right back.
2: The people have decided, the court has decided. You lose. We no we we take no choice. Choice. You have we no, choice.
3: Take no choice.
2: Not your body, not your choice. Your body is mine. And you're happy to me.
0: No okay, the comments have, uh, well, some people don't like him. They're trying to give this guy a hard time. We're not sure who he is. I think they're fine. He's not an office holder. He can say what he wants. It may not have been perfect, but he was doing, I think, a real service. He and his uh, comrades there were trying to prevent, and successfully doing so, I believe— having these people come into the church and disrupting things, which was their stated objective. It happened all across the country. We're joined now by somebody who was actually inside that church. It's uh, St. Patrick's Old Cathedral, the Basilica of St. Patrick's Old Cathedral in lower Manhattan. Michael Bartels, chairman of the New York Young Republican Club Catholic Caucus. Welcome, uh, Michael. Uh, You were in the church. Could you hear the ruckus that was going on outside?
1: Well, yes. Uh, so initially I actually showed up at the beginning of the mass uh, and it was uh, the first half of the mass was relatively peaceful. By the second half, uh, it's my understanding that uh, you could tr- you start to hear some ruckus outside. There was one person at one point who burst into the church. Uh, and uh, it's my understanding that the tape you played just happened right after that. I don't know if you have any footage of uh, after this, because uh, what seemed to be the much bigger affair was that uh, after the mass was over, people were trying to leave the church, and they were told by police that uh, there were, I guess, threats that had been made of some kind, The protesters had become more violent, and it would be dangerous for us to leave.
0: Dangerous for you to leave. Look, do you sense, is my, 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 my sense here, and maybe I'm prejudiced or whatever, and I, I lean a certain way politically, but all of these protests, and a lot of them have been ugly and some have been violent, they are countenanced, they are somehow uh, encouraged by the media and by political leadership in cities across the country, including this one.
1: Well, yes, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, the protests that you're seeing here, I mean, Biden administration, did not did not denounce them, in my opinion, sufficiently. Uh, You have Jen Psaki saying, oh, our administration has no position on this sort of affair. Um, So when this happened, when people started to come into the courtyard of the church, uh, what what happened, which was really an inspiring moment, where there were a couple of women who came in and said, all right, we have like a couple of people out front, but we need the men of the church to get up in the back, stand in front and start praying a rosary, basically block the doors. And uh, at the end of the day, that's what a lot of us did. Uh, Members of my caucus were in the back of the church at the time. They were joining the prayers, and uh, they got up in front of the doors with the people already there, the people who were out there. You saw there was a bit of a ruckus. They quieted down. And at the end of the day, it was just a bunch of men who got together, prayed the rosary, defending the church against uh, some of the more insane members uh, of the group. You can see there's a bit of a larger group there now. I see the footage.
0: What do you anticipate happening next week? Do you think this is dissipating or it's going to get more intense?
1: I'm not really sure, Greg, because uh, the Ruth Sentus group has been saying this is supposed to be an eight-day uh, week of action. So it's day two today. I haven't seen that much more in New York City. Maybe they just burned out on Saturday. Uh, but at the at the end of the day, Uh, New York, you look at stories from other cities in America, you had successful vandalism. You had several churches in Texas, you had one church in Boulder, uh, New York, it didn't happen because people stood up and they were able to block.
0: We love it. Good luck. Uh, Michael Bartels, it's, uh, it shouldn't be hard to go to church, uh, from the New York Republican (laughs) club, Catholic caucus. You bet. We'll be right back.
5: Dr. Oz is running against the liberal Wall Street Republican named David McCormick, who I've known.
0: If anybody was within 200 miles
4: of me, he hired them. But he did want my endorsement very badly, but I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I don't know David well, and he may
2: be
5: a nice guy, but he's not MAGA. He's not MAGA. I do know that he was with a company that managed money for communist China and he is
0: absolutely the candidate of special interests and globalists and the Washington establishment. David is totally controlled. This is the opponent by Mitch McConnell, the old crow, the old broken down crow. Wow. So I knew that Donald Trump was with Dr. Ross. He endorsed him, endorsed him enthusiastically. In fact, Dr. Oz was at that rally, the Republican candidate for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Yes, it's a competitive race, but I have not seen Donald Trump slam so aggressively a Republican who was looking for his endorsement, and that's what he did to Dave McCormick. You just heard it, China, Mitch McConnell. He's not MAGA. Well, here we have Dr. Oz with us once again. Dr. Oz, welcome back. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm glad you got the... uh, I did not see that coming.
5: Did you? Well, I knew the president was getting upset because people were purposely supporting McCormick in order to hurt him. We saw it happen right after the announcement. They started running $3 million worth of ads a week. Much of that, coming, that money coming from people who did not like President Trump. Some of it coming from Democrats, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. But in addition, there were some things, liberties taken uh, during the campaign. There were criticisms launched by his campaign about my heritage my parents are turkish immigrants to this country they came legally my dad was recruited to come here cuz he was a doctor we didn't have enough doctors in the 50s at the time and so i think he felt that lines had been crossed so he was more aggressive had that campaign than i expected but i tell you the rally was unbelievable it was in a rainstorm yet there were thousands and thousands of people who had come out the president was in rare form uh, you know he was able to articulate a very clear message for uh, what he stands for and when i had a few moments to comment You know, I had basically two missions. One is to make sure everyone was on the same page, that the only thing Joe Biden has rebuilt better is the Republican Party, which he's done brilliantly with most of his decisions especially here in Pennsylvania. And then the second reality is that President Trump sees the shining city on the Hill. He understands we're fighting for the soul of Pennsylvania and of the country, but also the world is watching. You know, we have in this country democracy still with a capitalistic system, best ever for circulating freedom. And then we have China, which is a surveillance state and it's made an economy that's functional there and the world's watching. Who's going to win? And what President Trump's basically saying is make America great happens when you make Pennsylvania great. Make this commonwealth thrive, which it should be able to do just by getting out of our way, letting small businesses function without middle-level unpaid, uh, rather they're paid well, but unelected bureaucrats making rules that shut down businesses and will thrive. We have basically lots of Fauci's running around in the government making rules they should not be allowed to make that hurt our ability to be competitive. That has to stop, and that was a foundation of President Trump's rally.
0: You know, um... Dave McCormick is one of the few people out there, I think. I've just done some calculations. He may have made more money in China than Hunter Biden. It may be close. But, look, you've been studying this guy a lot. Uh, Tell us a little bit about his business uh, in China.
5: Well, when we were all here struggling through COVID... And I was going on, you know, programs trying to articulate a path forward that would help us at least cope with the virus because we didn't have even vaccines early on. And soon and after vaccines, we still didn't have treatments available. Uh, David was in China building the largest foreign hedge fund ever in that country. And this is a hedge fund that, you know, to build a hedge fund of that size, you have to have dealings with the Chinese communist government. And these are if you're in business. You know, that's what you do. But if you're going to run for the United States Senate, you don't want to have just done that literally months before you open your campaign door because you're going to have to answer to, to folks like here in Pennsylvania who have lost more manufacturing jobs than any other state. And they're going to want to know exactly why you thought that was okay to compromise them when you were intending on representing them a few months down the road. All right. So look, uh, it's a week from tomorrow, one week from tomorrow. This is it.
0: It's a tight race, very competitive, but you've got the wind in your back with Donald Trump.
5: How are you going to spend the next seven days? Well, as it's right now I was uh, just in Gettysburg, uh, hosting a big event for a lot of, uh, although they're not made here anymore, huh. uh, but the town is named for it. And these are all towns in southern Pennsylvania we're touring through. I'll be up in the northeast in Scranton, Wilkesboro tomorrow. But every day I'm traveling to meet with local voters who so want to know a bit more about what I GOP locals. I just want to they're curious. They want to know more about me. Um, I'm currently in York, which uh, you know near where the York patties are made, although they're not made here anymore, huh. uh, but the town is named for it. And these are all towns in southern Pennsylvania more about what I stand for. And a lot of them want to clarify these fake ads that have been running against me. And President Trump warned me. I don't blame him for warning me now that I've understood it. He said, they're going to hate you because you're an outsider. And the insider establishment will try to confuse people with these ads. So I'm making sure they know exactly who I am and defending myself. And I'll tell you, it's going well. We've got a lead in the polls and I'm going to keep campaigning, running through the tape, the last moment of the last second on the 17th of May.
0: Hey, you know what else is in York, Pennsylvania? You mentioned the pepper, pe- peppermint patties. I think that's the dumbbell capital
5: of the world, right? The, they do the weights there. I see it all. Is <laughs> I that think the, so, too. It's the same yeah, city. It, it's a great town. I actually don't know. It. Now that you, you raised it, I'm going to go look at it. Do they make dumbbells here? They, they, they do, yes. They make dumbbells. I just learned from the locals. Uh, <laughs> York dumbbells. I see the signs. I just never knew they were made here. Yeah. You can eat the peppermint patties. And when you gain weight, you use the dumbbells to get rid of it. It's perfect. (laughs) It's an ecosystem.
0: Good luck on the campaign trail. For more information, go to DrRoz.com. Thank you very much, sir.
2: God bless you, Greg. They won't give you the facts. They don't tell the truth. Their bias is incredible. Now millions are turning to Eric Bowling, the balance, to get the real story. Watch him on Newsmax.
0: Hey, Stinchfield is next. I think you're going to enjoy it and I'll see you
1: tomorrow night. Many thanks.